Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Well, welcome this morning. It's a beautiful thing to be here on this beautiful day in Northwest Indiana. I'm excited to be here. Uh, while I'm up here, I'm waiting for the word. Uh, Dan and Jen are in the hospital. Hopefully having a baby. <laughs> and um, I'm going to be a grandpa again. And uh, in honor of that, this morning I shaved my beard. Um, I, don't, I know y'all, did y'all notice that? I, I know, don't, don't hurt my feelings. I'm pretty sensitive right now. Because I don't like, I don't really like it. I've had that beard for, I was trying to think, it's been like 12 years, hasn't it? Yeah, so anyway. It'll always, it can always grow back. But, um, but you know, I thought, well, I can, you know, this will be good. I'll, you know, I'll have a baby face. <laughs> so I was deceived, whatever, I don't know. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> um, but, uh, you know, because, <laughs> let's just move on anyway. Um, so I want to get into the word. I want to, I just want to take this morning and spend a few moments with you. And I'm going to talk about uh, Jesus is, and I want to talk about the door uh, because there's many different, you know, there's a a lot of things we could put in there. Jesus is the shepherd. Uh, Jesus is the lamb. Jesus uh, is the word. But but the Lord's been like rolling this over. It's been a a very... uh, like just intense time for me in the last couple of weeks. And, and so I've been, you know, meditating on some passages of scripture and it's just amazing how God just, these are common passages too. So there, if you have a Bible with you this morning, you can open it uh, to John chapter 10 and put something in there because we're going to be sharing this morning out of John 9 and John 10. But uh, as I get started this morning, we're going to, we're actually going to, if you want to open, go to Isaiah 61. And I'm trying to get this to move. What did I do wrong? There we go. So we're going to be talking about the door question that I have for you is what if everything you've wanted and hoped for was right behind that door? This doesn't seem to be where. Go to the next one, please. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a parallel thing here because I, I, put, this, I put this on my computer um, and, I, and I've just been looking at this and looking at this and meditating on it, praying over it. It just goes along with everything that the Lord has been doing, and even here this morning, and the Spirit of God's flowing. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll use this. I, Lord, help me say what you want me to say, no more, no less. In Jesus' name, help me. Um, so Isaiah 61, 1, this is a very familiar passage. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Isaiah 61.1, very familiar passage. If you've been around church very often, you've heard this taught, you've, you've read this passage. I, I love the passage. I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is like the messianic prophet. There are more prophecies about Jesus and Jesus' life and ministry in the book of Isaiah than any other Old Testament book. And, uh, and so we, we get the idea of, of this because we know when Jesus came to the earth, was born and uh, grew up in the house of Mary and Joseph, we don't know much about his life from the time he was born till he was 30 years old. There's a couple little incidents. We've talked about those recently. And then when he, we, then when he encounters John the Baptist, he's about 30 years old, and uh, he's still living at home. He's still with his, with his family. Uh, and so he goes out, though, and... He submits to John the Baptist to be baptized in water. You know this story. And, uh, and this is on the heels of you know, him going out into the wilderness. Luke chapter 4 talks about, I, I don't, I'm just trying to move along quickly here because any of these and all of this would really is, has great teaching material. But he goes out into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days, 40 nights. The enemy tempts him for 40 days and 40 nights. He overcomes the enemy. The Bible says he returned in the power of the Spirit. You know, it's in the beginning, it says he went out led by the Spirit. How many of you know it's important that we be led by the Spirit? If you're not led by the Spirit, you'll end, you'll end in the flesh, and the flesh will lead you to corruption but when you're led by the Spirit, the Spirit always gives life. The Spirit always leads to life. But not only was he led by the Spirit, because that's a challenge in and of itself to be led by the Spirit. Many of you know the battle. There's a battle going on today, whether we're going to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Read it in the, the book of Galatians. There's lots of good stuff there, too, about the battle that's waging between the flesh and the Spirit. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. And so there's this battle goes on, and Jesus surrenders to and, and completely overcomes every temptation of Satan, which sets him apart from us, because none of us can claim that. None of us can say that we have conquered every temptation. Uh, you know, a lot of temptations just lay us at his feet. And so Jesus, though, overcomes, and then it says Jesus returned in the in the power of the Spirit. So he went out led by the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit because that's how you get the power of the anointing of God is you have to conquer temptation. You don't get this anointing, this power to overcome in a prayer line. You get it by conquering temptation. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For he shall receive the crown of life. You have to become an overcomer, and we know that for that to happen, you have to walk in the Spirit. And so here's the whole purpose of Jesus. We know in Isaiah, he, uh, speaking of him, it says the Spirit of the Lord God. When Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he goes into the temple. It says he was handed the scroll of the prophets, and he opened the scroll, and it says he began to read. Well, guess what he, guess what he was reading from? Isaiah 61. 
That's what they had. Isn't that? Now you say, well, that's curious. No, that's God. That's the fact that you're here today. You say, well, that's interesting. I'm not sure how I got here. I, I, got, I got an idea that God's up to something. You may not even want to be here, but God wanted you here. You ever had, you ever had, God had to have God grab you by the cuff of the neck and you go kicking and screaming, but later you was like, oh God, I'm so glad you did that. Oh God, I'm so thick. God help me, Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been there. I'm, I'm like, oh Lord, I'm glad I didn't miss that. I went kicking and screaming. God forgive me. I'm such a, oh God, help me. You know, I mean, that's how that conversation goes, but I'm glad God did this. So Jesus Walks in, they hand him Isaiah 61, and here's what it says. This is from Luke 4:18. Here's Jesus standing in the temple, just coming out of the wilderness. This is what we call the launch of his public ministry. Because until then, he has not done anything, he's not, he's not tried to do anything, but now he's launching a three and a half year ministry. Because at about 33 and a half, they crucify him. So at 30, he walks into this temple, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, you got to know that in that setting, there was something different about that day. There was something different about that reading. There was something different about the person who was reading it. Because now he is... Standing in their midst, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, what I did here is I put these side by side because something occurred to me that really ch challenged me. So look at it. Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Isaiah, because the Lord has anointed me. Luke, because he has anointed me. Why do you think it's like that? It's like it's because he's reading from the written word. Now let's follow it. Because this is, this is his ministry. This is describing him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. The word anointed is where we get our word for just rubbed all down, rubbed down to be to be something to be applied to. And so the spirit of the Lord is upon him and he has rubbed him down or saturated him because he has anointed me. He has anointed me. When we see that the Lord has anointed me. So you see, Jesus understands. He's, he, he gets the idea that I have this anointing. Then it says to preach good tidings to the poor. It says here to preach the gospel to the poor. So now remember, Isaiah was written in Hebrew. Luke was written in Aramaic. So the only difference here is that the, the difference is the good tidings. They translated gospel, but it's the exact same thing, isn't it? What is good tidings? It's the gospel. So if your gospel isn't good and it has tidings of great joy, it's probably not the gospel. If your gospel puts you into bondage, 
then it's probably not the gospel. Are you with me this morning? Come on, stay with me here. He says to preach good tidings to the poor, to preach the gospel. It's the eulogizon, yeah, 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 is the Greek word. And it, and it, and it simply means, that it's, it's actually the message of grace is the gospel. Because Jesus taught a different message than had been taught. On what was being taught by the scribes and the Pharisees of that day. They were shutting up the kingdom. Jesus was about to open the doors. Hallelujah. They were closing people out. Jesus was bringing people in. They were making walls that people couldn't hurdle. Jesus was kicking them down and saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Man, his message was good. Their message was elitism. You know, you got to be this and do this. And, you know, when, when Jesus, when, when it, under the old original covenant of the original contract, the law had 10 commandments and 200 and, and some odd uh, ordinances. You get it? There was hundreds of ordinances, two, 200 and I think it was 212 ordinances, 10 commandments, and everything was hinged around how you related to those laws and those ordinances. Jesus came to fulfill all the law because by the time Jesus showed up, the scribes and Pharisees had morphed the Jewish religion with traditions and everything. And now it had 10 commandments and 600 and something commandments. This is what Jesus meant when he said, be careful because in your religiosity, you are straining gnats. You know why they strain gnats, right? Listen, this is how religious they were. In their, in their drink, which they, we know they drank the fruit of the vine, so let's just call it what it was. It was some form of wine. I'm not promoting, pr pr promoting wine drinking. I'm just telling you that's the culture that they came from. Come on, people. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into... I'm not, you know me, you know, I, I, I'm not going there, but I'm just telling you that's the culture. So here's, let me, here's, can I tell can I tell you, can I explain to you? Because people go, what's that mean? Strain of the gnat, swallow a camel. <laughs> Are we strain? What does it mean, strain? See, gnats, listen to this. Gnats were unclean animals. Well, who wants, who wants to eat them anyway? I don't know if you're hungry Anything's good, I guess. But here's how religious they were. They were so religious that they did not want to violate any matter of the law. So they would take a sieve and they would strain gnats. You know, if you've lived in an arid climate, have you ever looked in your drink one day and found something in it that you didn't like? Or you went, I didn't know Coke was lumpy. Oh, my Lord. I've drunk flies. Listen, I've been overseas. I've been on the mission field. And, and let, me, let me give you a piece of advice. When you, go, like, when you go outside this country, the best thing to do is just don't look. 
Just grin it and drink it. Eat it. Whatever they set before you and thank God for it. And then when you, uh, listen, I was with Lonnie Jarvis one day and Lonnie ate these roasted things and he ate it and he goes, wow, that's really good. And I go, I go, what is that to the people who were serving it? And they said, it's roasted caterpillar. And I thought, you know, like, you ever seen those big, I mean, they were like those tomato caterpillars. And when you squish them, oh, oh, oh. Here, Pastor Mike, you want one? Oh, no, no, I think I'm fasting today because I got to preach tonight. And I know God's calling me to it. I mean, that's kind of the stuff that you do just to get out because I didn't want to say that. I can't eat that. And I didn't want Lonnie to one-up me. And Lonnie's going, he's just eating them like potato chips. And I go, please stop. And so, and so they strained at gnats because they wouldn't eat anything that was unclean because their religion wouldn't let them violate these little things. But then when it came to extending mercy to a person who was broken and fallen in the ditch and had had stumbled and fallen down, they couldn't extend mercy. That's what Jesus meant when he said you strain at gnats, but then you swallow a camel because you're a hypocrite. Because if you knew anything about the law, the ultimate law is to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and then to love your fellow man like you love yourself and if you can't fulfill that then don't get religious on me and tell me how holy you are because you don't drink gnats because if you drink gnats and you boast on it I guarantee you you're swallowing camels somewhere do you know how hard it is to swallow a camel I mean, think about it. Whew. So whatever Jesus did, he preached the gospel of good news. Now, here's what he says. He goes on, he says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Well, what does it say in Isaiah? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you get the gist here? Jesus is just reading right out of the Book of Isaiah, I love that word brokenhearted too, you know, when I, look, when I looked it up, because this, this is what I, when I study, I want to know, I want to know what was, you know, broken hearts. You know what broken hearts, the literal translation is means hearts that are shattered. How many of you have ever had your heart shattered? How many of you know what it is when your heart is like broken into pieces? I don't mean it's like broken in half. I mean, it's shattered. And he says, he has sent me to heal shattered hearts. Glory to God. Can I just tell you right right now that if if your heart is shattered and in pieces, 
then the way, the way back for you is to come to Jesus and let him pick up every piece. He'll take every piece of your heart. He'll take every area of brokenness, and he will put you back together again. I preached a message years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reminisce for a minute because when I was a young preacher, I fancied myself I'd preach almost anything. And when we were preaching three, four times a week, it was almost like you were, you were grabbing for things to preach. And one night, I, I preached on a Sunday night back in Indianapolis, Indiana. I preached this message called the gospel according to Humpty Dumpty. That's how desperate I was. But then think about it. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, but the king could. You see, he came to heal the brokenhearted. Well, it gets really interesting now because it says next, in, in Luke it says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Well, that was it say in Isaiah, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty, this freedom that... Pastor Julie was talking about this morning, this release that I feel like is, is what's in front of us for this year, because can I just tell you that there's a lot of you who have been serving God for years, and there's still things in your life you have never yet been released from. Jesus said, I came to proclaim what? Liberty, freedom, release to those who have been held captive. Captivity, being held by your hurts, being held by your shadows, being held by things that you thought, you know, you, you came to Jesus and said, well, I prayed that prayer. And then the Holy Spirit gets to digging around in your life. And then when he starts exposing some things, you, you start going, oh, man, the devil's just trying to get me. No, it's not. I'm, I want to tell you something. Many times what we attribute to the devil is God trying to uncover hidden things that, uh, that are only going to face you one day sooner or later. And the best thing for you is to get it out, deal with it, get set free from it, so that when it shows up, you're able to speak to it and say, you know, one time I was bound to you. One time I had no control over you. One time I had no ability to say no to you. But now because I have been set free, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Get out of here. I am not going to fall to you. I am not going to surrender to you. And I am so certainly not going to serve you. I am free. And when you start walking in that full freedom, let me tell you something. The devil has to flee because that's how you get to, to, to the place of complete freedom. It's not in how well that you fight Satan. It's how you submit to God. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore unto God resist the devil and he will flee from you listen to me there is no freedom from the devil until you submit to god and you can yell at the devil all you want but until you submit to god 
you will never know freedom. And so now, this is where this, is where this got me. So it says, and the opening of the prison to those who were bound in Isaiah 61.1. So he's talking about the full and the complete and the, what the ministry of Jesus is going to look like. So he says it's going to preach good tidings to poor people. The poor people represent somebody who's in lack. Not just, not just financially, you're just poor. Poor, you're, you're without. You're outside of provision. You can, you can be rich in in the earth's riches and still be poor in your heart. So Jesus came to preach the gospel. He came to heal shattered hearts. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now look at what Luke says here. And the recovery of sight to the blind. And I've been staring at this for days. I'm like, wait a minute. What just happened here? We, We went from... We went from Jesus, just everything was like lining up here. Everything was, I mean, did Jesus just add something to the word? Because we know that you're not supposed to add anything to it. You're not supposed to take anything from it. But what I realized is I meditated and meditated. Like, God, what are you doing? What are you saying here? Why, do, why all of a sudden did Jesus take this and, and take it a, 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 a specific area? The opening of prison. See, a lot of you sitting here right today, you, you can't relate to prison in the sense that, you know, I've, I've been around prison, prison ministry for almost all of my life. I started as an chapl- assistant chaplain at Lake County Jail in 1986. I've actually done the day, because I always say, well, I've been doing this for like... 30 years. Well, actually, it's been over 30 years. And I've, I was, I've always had this desire to help people get free. And the problem is, I've always had a hard time with church people getting them to realize just how much they are in prison. And when I go to Lake County Jail, and then I went and was part of the team that, that we first launched Kimbrough when it was the sheriffs, and they just opened it up and, and took over that abandoned, what was, that was, a T, I think, a TB hospital originally, what it was used for. And, and they put some men over there and we would go in the end upstairs room with all the windows, and we would have three, three services a weekend. And then we'd have five across the street at the, at the actual jail that was overcrowded and, at that time until they built the new one. And then I went from there to Westville. And then I had my badge at Indiana State Prison in Michigan City for a while. And it just seemed there I had a hard time getting uh, any traction there because, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> when, you, when you walk into these environments, it's, it's, it's not always, you're not always welcome. Because the message of liberty runs at odds even among the administrative side of it. 
Because when you start preaching freedom, the enemy gets all stirred up. Think about it. Once you start going after Satan and say, Satan, you're not going to have my family. Satan, you are not going to have my life. You're not going to have my ministry. You are not going to have my church. Satan, you are not going to have my city. Isn't it interesting how the devil just rears his head and says, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? And so, you know, once you declare war on him, get ready because you're going to have to engage and walk this out. I think, I think we're involved in some spiritual warfare here that many of us don't even understand how deeply and how powerfully we are moving into realms that we don't even understand what is shaking and what is, and you, ha, you had better get ready because once you step into this, you know, God, God's desire, now look at Isaiah says, God's desire is the opening of the prison. Open up the prison. Let's go back to where I started. I said, Jesus is the door. Because for most of us, until you find Jesus, you can't find your way out. And the reason you can't find your way out is because you can't see. In fact, you can't even see the bondage that you're in. Well, I'm not, I had a guy tell me, one time he stood on the other side and he came in. I came in. I was just sharing. I'm sharing the gospel. He challenged me. He got right up in my face and he said, you're here preaching a white Jesus from a white man's Bible and, and all you're doing is bringing people into your false religion. I said, sir, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to bring anybody to, to any religion. And the Jesus I'm preaching is not white. He was not white. The Bible's not a white man's book. The Bible was written by a bunch of Middle Eastern Jews, all kinds of different people. The Bible was written in 66 books by many different authors over many different years. But the one message that I've found throughout the entire Bible and for my entire life is that I was blind, I was bound, but I found Jesus and Jesus opened my prison doors. And so now look at this. He says the opening of the prison so in order to get out of prison, you have to first find the Come on. You got to find the Because until you find the door, there's no way out. You will stay bound. You will stay in your bondage until you find the door. Now, when Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter 4, he is literally translating, and when the translators took it, the word the recovery of sight literally means the opening of the eyes. The recovery of sight to the blind. So now, Jesus is not changing the word here, but what's happening is he is explaining to you what bound is. Can I just, can, I, can you get this? Yeah. 
When we say, hey, you're bound, you're bound, what are we saying? You're blind. You're not seeing right. Because the moment your eyes are open, there is no bondage that can hold you. Y'all didn't, didn't get that. The basis of your bondage is your blindness to it. I said the basis of your bondage is your blindness. And all Jesus doesn't have to fight with the devil when he comes up into your life to open the prison doors. Jesus, listen to me, oh hallelujah. Jesus fought with the devil 2,000 years ago when he faced him on Calvary and he willingly laid down his life. He descended out into hell and then he faced hell and he took the keys of death hell and the grave and I said oh grave where is thy victory oh death where is thy sting the devil came out of the tomb he came out of the grave victorious having defeated Satan once and for all and all you need to do is get free is to let Jesus open your eyes to the reality of who he is and what he did for you and when he opens your eyes you are free. And if you are not free, you need your eyes open. Because you're like a blind man groping in the dark. What I need is this. What I need is that. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. He that cometh up some other way is a thief and a robber. Who's he talking about? Satan, who came into this earth and usurped man's place by, by deception. He put man into bondage because man surrendered what he had into Satan's hands. And Jesus said, I am the door. Are you with me this morning? I am the door. I came in this way. I came in this way. And I came in by the door because I am the door. And if you want to find your place of victory, then you must come by me. Now, you know how he shows this? If you back up, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9. I just want to kind of go here and talk to you about how this worked. In John chapter 9, Jesus set up this whole thing about the door like this. The disciples and Jesus had just got kicked out. In John chapter 8, they got ran out of town because Jesus was doing ministry. He was talking about freedom. Man, whenever you start talking about freedom, it's stirred up. You know, in John 8, that's where the scribes and Pharisees say, We're, you say freedom and we've never been in bondage to any man. Jesus said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> 
He said, look, you're in bondage right now. No, we've never in bondage. You're in, you're in prison. You're in bondage. You're in bondage right now to Rome. Look at you. And, and, and here's the thing. This is what really ticked him off, too. He said, you know, it's coming a time where every stone in this temple is coming down. And everything you think you've built and everything you think you've done is coming down because you didn't come in by me. You came up some other way. And he said, you are in bondage to your father, the devil. Now, how many of you know that will get you in trouble? And so it, it says they took up stones. You can read this. I don't have time. I'm going to try to get done here in the next few minutes. Seriously, I want to get, I want to get done. I want to go have a baby. And so, and so they, it says they picked up stones and they were going to stone him and Jesus just kind of walked through the whole crowd and disappeared. Because see, it wasn't his time. And the thing about Jesus is Jesus will not be forced into anything and you will not move Jesus by anything other than, than faith and, and the reality of God's plan, God's promise. So Jesus just disappears. And then it says in John 9, now listen to this, John 9, 1, look at it. It says, as he was going along, Jesus looked and beheld a blind man. Now, notice what it says. It says, and he was blind from birth. There are six miracles of Jesus opening blinded eyes in the New Testament. This is the only one where it says the man was born blind. Stay with me. So, the disciples, who were really, you know, always on top of their game, who were always, you know, up in their head. And, you, and it would have been no different if it had been you or me. They're going along and they say, hey, Jesus, got a theological question for you here. Because that's what people love to talk about. They love to talk about theology instead of talk about Jesus. They love to make a point than walk in power. They like to have some deep inside revelation than simply know the heart of God. Oh, my Lord. And they go, Jesus, tell us, who sinned? You get that pompousness? Uh, this is his church, by the way. This is his little group now. Not his, this isn't scribes and Pharisees. This is his, his crew. <laughs> hey, Jesus, who sinned? Because we know, we know this man, there's sin somewhere here because something ain't right here. We know there's sin here. I mean, we've discerned it. But Lord, we just don't understand, like, was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? You see, there was a pervading sense in that day. Now, listen to me, just like there is today, because religion, especially Eastern mysticism, had crept even into Judaism. The influence of the Egyptian religion had so created the idea of karma. Jesus, listen to me now, Jesus came to bring the truth because the truth makes you, the Bible does not teach 
karma. The Bible teaches the kingdom. Now, if you want to go off into karma, which is just another form of, of Eastern religion that tells you that, you know, here, here's, here's like an example of, 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 of Eastern religion. It, it's based a lot of it around um, what's called soul migration, and, or what we would know today as reincarnation. Now, I actually know believers who try to hold this out in some, you know, because they think, well, you know, that guy, I believe he's back from a former life and he didn't do so good in that one. And now look at what he's, now look at him. That's karma. That's stupid. Jesus did not teach karma. He did not open the door to karma. Now, I want to tell you what the kingdom teaches Whatsoever a man sows, that's a kingdom principle. Karma is, because here's the problem with karma is it, it is a force that actually becomes a superstitious God to somebody. And they fear and serve karma. And we're not here to serve karma. I'm here to serve Jesus because Jesus is the door. So if I know if I sow to the spirit, I'll reap life everlasting. Pastor Mike, have you always sown to the Spirit? No. But this is the beautiful part of the kingdom. When you mess up, karma would demand you come back as a caterpillar. You get roasted on a fire and you get eaten by Lonnie Jarvis. And then isn't that a kind of irony? You're like, yeah, an evangelist ate him. Isn't that something? That's how crazy it is. But what the gospel teaches you is that, hey, if you've sown and you have went off and you have failed and you have faltered and you have blown it and you have sown to the wind, mercy triumphs over justice. Turn to the Lord. And if you turn to the Lord, See if he won't leave behind him a blessing. Because God's heart isn't to bring karma down on you like a hammer. It's to bring good news of the grace of God to you in your brokenness and your emptiness. That's the gospel. And yet we get all these weird things going, these weird ideas, and we, it, uh, we don't even know where they sprang from. But I'm telling you right now, they thought, that they, they, we're in John 9, hey, Jesus, who was it? Was it him? Well, let me ask you this question. How could he sin in his mother's womb that would bring blindness on him? Again, that's crazy. And that leads to all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and his parents, if he, was, if he was blind because his parents sinned, where, where does that put God in the middle of it? Now, here's what I love. If you read this verse, I look at it. I want you to look at it with me. I think I have it up here. I should turn to it. So if you didn't bring a Bible, go to the two more slides. Two more. Next one. Next one. Jesus answered, neither this man, 
Now listen to this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now Jesus is just putting it out there. Neither this man, neither his parents have sinned. Instead, he was born blind so God could show what he could do. Now I know this is a, this is a, a real story of a real blind man. Can I submit to you though that every one of us are that blind man. Every one of us were born blind. And here's the thing. We could say, why? Why did it have to be like this? Why was I born into this? And why was I born with that? And why were my parents not rich? And why wasn't I born on the other side of the tracks? We can, why, why, why? Well, it's karma. You know, you, it's somebody, you're paying for somebody's sin or your sin or you did something wrong. You had to open the door to this. How about we get this idea? How about we look at people and we say, you know, I don't really know. And I don't really have all the answers for you, but how about we take this pro pro projection? You're here. Let's see what God will do for you. How about I dare, I double dog dare you to invite God into your mess and let's just see what God can do. And so while he's talking, this is the coolest thing ever. I got I got to close. Jesus kneels down. He does this. This is what I like to do. <sighs> yeah, it says he spit. It's an arid climate. I think he hockered. And it and he made it says he made some clay of the spittle. And it says he anointed his eyes. This blind man does not even know what's happening. He does not even know who Jesus is. He does not even know who he's in the presence of. And besides that, he wouldn't know anyway because he was blind. And it says Jesus anointed him. And then you know what Jesus said? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Which it says in the Bible is what? The, there's all kinds of pools in the, in the city there were ceremonial pools, there were washings, there was water for your animals. There was all kinds of pools in the city. He sends him to a specific pool called Siloam, which in the language means sent. So it says this, I'm sending you to Siloam. Get this. So here's how I like to say this. I'm sending you to send you. See, some of you, instead of wondering why this happened, you need to understand God has you in this place because he's sending you to send you. He is sending you to send you. And listen, this man does not argue with Jesus. I don't know. I want this guy in my church. Well, I'd have to go wash. Well, I'm busy. That's the nastiest pool in town. Couldn't we do it better? What if we did it like this? It says, he says, okay. And it says, he went and he washed. And immediately he saw. Because obedience 
is the key to your miracle, release, and freedom. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison, the opening of the eyes, the recovery of sight to them who are blind. And then now all hell stirred up. The Pharisees gather. They, three times they interrogate him. Who are you? What is the story here? We don't believe you're that son of that people. They even bring the parents in. The parents are afraid of getting excommunicated. They go, they go, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. How come he's seeing? I don't know. Ask him. He's old. <laughs> they said this for fear of being put out. They come back to him. Third time. Are you that man born blind? Yes. What happened? I told you what happened for the third time. Are you getting ready to accept Jesus? And they got mad and threw him out. Here, now this is my favorite part of, the, of this. Go to, go to the next slide. This is where I'll quit right here. The next, next site, or next. They threw him out. Next one. All right, here we go. Jesus heard the Jews had thrown the man out of the synagogue. How do you throw somebody out of a synagogue? You show them the... The Jews showed him the door. So when Jesus found the man, see, the truth is, you and I don't find Jesus. He came and found us. And when you've been shown the door by everybody else, get ready. Because Jesus is coming your way because he is the door. And some of you, the spirit of rejection, the spirit of blindness, the spirit of, can I, I don't, the spirit of, of, of just being totally outside. You feel like, you feel like your whole life because that's what blind, this blind man had no job. He had, he had other than his mom and dad, he had no family because who would want that? Who would want him as a burden? Jesus, he, he, he was a beggar. That's what blind people did in those days. They sat at the temple and begged. And Jesus has found him. And when Jesus found the man, he said, do you believe in the son of man? The man replied, sir, tell me who he is so I can believe in him. Got to remember this. When Jesus left him, he had never seen Jesus. He had never seen Jesus. Jesus opened his eyes and he had still had not seen Jesus. Can I just tell you right here, some of you, he has touched you and you still haven't seen it. And it says, tell me. So I can believe, and Jesus said, you've seen him. <laughs> you've seen him because he's talking to you right now. Meet the door. They showed you the door. I am the door. And the, man, the Bible says he believed, and his complete life was completely transformed. I need you to bow your heads with me.
Wow. This is the captivity, this blindness, this perpetual blindness that some of you have been plagued with for a long time because you've been born blind. But today Jesus says, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to open your eyes to this reality, and the truth is going to set you free. Jesus didn't create you to blind you. He created you to walk in the door and to go free. So while every head bowed, and I'm going to ask the prayer team, the prayer, the leaders, the ministry team to come front and center. I feel like today, so I had this, I had this epiphany as I just meditated and meditated and meditated. And that, that the reason I chose that picture, I, I, I labored and labored and labored. Could you go back to that? Could you go back to the slides and put the first picture, the first slide up? With I've chose that, I chose that slide for a reason. I found lots of doors. I found lots of doors, but all those doors were closed. And I think some of you have found lots of doors in your life, and you've you've went you've tried to bust into some doors, you've tried to break down some doors, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus says. Come unto me, I'm the door. And I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. I want everyone to stand with me. It's a real simple time of altar invitation. You say, Pastor Mike, do we always need an altar invitation? I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. All I know is there's always a response required. When God delivers revelation, truth, if you want that, it's like, it's like God drives the nail and then he wants to clench it. You know what clenching a nail to carpenters, you know what it is when you clench a nail. You turn it over, you turn that board over, the two boards that you've joined together, and you clench the nail by bending that nail where it won't pull out. So with your heads bowed, and I'm praying, Father, right now. I'm praying, Father, right now. I'm praying, Father, right now that the bondages and shackles go off people right now. Not next week, not next month, not this next year. I pray right now shackles begin to fall at our feet because the basis of that shackle is is blindness. And right now, God, I pray for open eyes. Jesus, that they will find the door. They will not have to grope in darkness. That you came here this morning to open access, open access into your promises and into your kingdom work. And so, Father God, I ask you right now, I ask you right now that you speak to hearts in Jesus' name. If you have an area of your life that you know You need revelation. You need open eyes. You need freedom. If there's any area of bondage in your heart and in your life, I'm going to invite you to come forward this morning. I'm going to invite you to come and submit to prayer, submit to agreement in prayer. God will open your eyes today, and he will set you free. He will open, and he will fulfill his ministry, his life, his calling as the door to you. 
that you come in and you find freedom. You find your captivity set free in your life. Come right now. Come on, right now, all across this auditorium. Right now, if there's any area, do not mess with any. There's no small area here. There's no little area that you can compromise or you can hide or you can, you can cover. Open your heart today and come forward and let us minister to you in grace, in forgiveness, in mercy. Whew. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.